Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poland-Clark. With me is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Hello. And welcome to Spooky Spooky October. Um, <laughs> yay. This is your favorite month, Kara. I know. I'm too tired to be excited about it, though. Oh, no. I know. It's okay. I'm going to take on some of the excitement for you. Okay. I've actually been thinking of you a lot because I'm in a Halloween circus show. <gasps> um, yeah, right? And I have to find music for an act that I'm in. And so I just downloaded like five different <laughs> Spotify, like scary, scary Hell music yes. playlists. But they're all like very, very different from each other. Okay. And it's like I'm just living in a horror movie now. But it had, Can... and October had not even started yet when I started this. Yeah. Can I recommend a track? Yes, please. Nightmare on My Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Okay, I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, it's pretty great. Uh, one of the random flower gigs that I worked this summer, we were in this lady's studio and she had on some Spotify playlist for, like, no matter what playlist she put on. <laughs> Halloween music. <laughs> no! Yeah, like, like, it would be normal for a few songs. And then it would be Halloween music. And I just. That's amazing. Yeah, it made me laugh so hard. She did not find it very amusing, but I. It was the funniest shit. <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh just so hard. Oh. That used to happen to me sometimes on Pandora, except replace Halloween with Coldplay. And oh, I would no. just be like, no, thumbs down. I do not like this. Please stop. Yeah, they were bad at thumbs downs. Um, okay, so we, for this first, we get to do three episodes. Thank you, Joey. I spent the weekend, or part of the weekend with Joey, and he reminded me that we actually get to do three movies this month, because of when are the Thursdays fall. Um, Ooh! Oh, I just almost choked on my spit, but uh, our last October episode comes out on... Halloween. What? That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I just looked at the calendar. Um, okay, so we're starting with the movie Disturbing Behavior from 1998 because this, I, I, I'm sure that I've said this on our podcast before, but I, probably not for a while. Like, that, that movie is half the reason why this podcast exists because... Um, the other half of the reason it exists is because of a Backstreet Boys song that I heard and was like, this is weird. I think I need to talk to someone about this. The, the other half is like, I saw this movie on TV and was like, oh yeah, this movie? Huh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I have no idea if I've seen this before. Oh, I, I thought mean, I had, and then I was watching it and I was like, I don't know if I've seen this before. <laughs> is it because you've seen Teaching Miss Tingle? That might be why. Yeah, I can't keep them straight in my head because Katie Holmes was also in that and it came out around oh. the same time. It's a much better movie. Okay. I, 
it, does that one have blue eyes? Because I remembered like blue eyes being part of this, but they have like this weird like flash of red in their eyes when red like... eyes, blue outfits. Uh, interesting. What did they must have? I I feel like I can also think of a blue eye something, but I don't know what it is. Mm, okay. Yeah. But okay, then so... I was like, oh, maybe it was just the poster. The I don't know. Anyway, what were you going to say? So Disturbing Behavior, 1998, starring James Marsden, um, Nick Stahl, and Katie Holmes in, like, Ugh. like the just the very beginning of Katie Holmes. Yeah, like... and, like, really channeling a solid Elijah Dusku vibe in Ooh, this. Oh, yeah, huh? Yep. That I was very into, yeah. Um, so the movie is about, um, so James Marsden's character, I don't know any of their names. Do you know any of their names? No. Uh, Katie Holmes's character's name is Ray, and that's all I remember. Okay, so whatever their names are, who cares? James Marsden moves to this new town with his family after his brother commits suicide. And so they're, like, looking for, like, a fresh start. He moves with his parents and his younger sister. And... He moves into this town where, like, like any he's in high school, and like any high school, there's like cliques. Um, but one of the cliques is called the. Do they are they called the Blue Ribbons? Something like that, Blue Ribbon Club, or maybe Blue Ribbon yeah. Society. Or Something just the blue about ribbons. Blue ribbons. Somehow, Blue Ribbons are involved. So, and they all wear blue, and they're, like, the do-gooders. Like, they get really good grades. They don't, like, drink or smoke or do anything bad. Allegedly. But they seem to have some rage issues. But, yeah, but you wouldn't know that. No, you would know that. (laughs) So, um, they they seem to have some rage issues that the adults really aren't concerned about. Mm -hmm. Um, so... He starts to hang out with these, like, three misfit kids, um, one of whom is played by Nick Stahl, who is, like, like he saw, he's seen some shit, and he's like, I know what's going on, but nobody believes him. Um, and so, as it turns out, the, like, what is that guy's position at the school? What guy? The guy who, like, runs the blue this ribbon program program whatever the program is actually called the the neuropharmacologist is that who you're talking about or is yeah. it somebody else no that guy so i don't think he works for the school i think he does officially. because at the beginning they and don't they like in they're like oh we're gonna start the meeting we're just waiting for doctor whatever his name is to come yeah, no, I figured they were just having the meeting like in the auditorium because that was a place to have a meeting I, who knows? He may or may not be officially employed by the school. <laughs> anyway, this guy, this doctor man, um, is running a program that parents sign their kids up for. And he, like, puts a thing in their eye and makes them makes them perfect, quote-unquote. Um, but also have, like, huge rage issues. And so the whole movie is just, like, them trying to uncover that. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything important? I mean, maybe, but that that's the broad strokes of it. Uh, it has often been compared to uh, the Stepford Wives, which has I... a, a similar presence, but wives instead of children. Because of, like, what the movies that we've watched in the last however many years, for it reminded me of The Faculty, except The Faculty is yeah. a much better movie. Do they Agreed. have blue eyes in The Faculty? Is that what it's in? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think they have eyes. I mean, they have, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it wasn't No specialized. Well, and also in the faculty, it's aliens. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. Uh, in this, it's it's some sort of device that's implanted in these kids' eyeballs, although that's not really where you would put something that would affect <laughs> behavior. Like, I have, like, anyway. so many questions about that part. Uh, yeah. But... You can't just shove something into someone's eyeball. Which, like, you see James Marsden's character eventually, like, gets signed up for the program and, like, almost gets the thing implanted. And it's, like, that's all it is. It's, like, a thing coming straight for his eyeball. It just looks like a a tiny micro, like, a little microchip that would just be in, like, a small electronic, you know. But just flat going on top, like, it would lay flat against his eyeball. Which, you know, if you're going to really penetrate an eyeball, you would want to go in. <laughs> 90 degree angle. Anyway. Well, yeah, you, that's oh, what boy. I mean. Is like, if that's how they're doing it, everyone's eyeballs should be very destroyed. Yeah. And they're not. They seem fine. Besides yeah. the fact that they turn red. Yeah. And get scary. And in the Stepford uh, Wives, um, they're actually, like, their whole body is replaced kind of by an animatronic. But um, the uh, thing that's similar between the separate wives and this movie is that is kind of like um, we we see these uh, duplicates or whatever these altered versions of these kids uh, malfunction, and that definitely happens in both movies. In they interesting ways. missed a huge opportunity to go really hard on that part because like okay so the thing about this movie is that it should have been a much better movie for lots and lots of reasons and it probably actually was a much Mm -hmm. better movie but the studio made them like recut it a bunch of times yeah and the dirt like the guy who directed this movie is like ew this is not the movie that i made um and I hope that on the cutting room floor there's like way more so like there's two kids. I mean, they all have rage, right? Mm-hmm. But there's like, no, there's three examples of like when they get horny. That's when the rage happens. Um, and they just like missed an opportunity for that to be amazing and hilarious because they're teenagers. They should be horny all the time. This should be a nightmare for these kids. <laughs> um, and they really just like didn't. I think they could have gotten so much more out of that as a plot point. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't. Yeah. But yeah, apparently, like, that's what really makes it go haywire. Right. And there's, um, oh, did you even mention the janitor? Oh, no, I kind of forgot about him. Okay, so there's okay, a yeah, janitor yeah, yeah. who's a very important character. He's kind of the... The most important uh, I, okay, in the you movie, tell probably. it. You um, tell it, and then I have questions. Well, he, the actor that plays him, is somebody that I love very deeply. His name is William Sadler, and he plays, or he play, well, he played and is playing in the upcoming uh, sequel, uh, Death, in the second Bill and Ted movie and the third movie to come. One of my oh, like, like favorite okay. characters in all of like film. So love him. He's great. Uh, he, you know, everyone is like, oh, that guy's crazy, because uh, he's like obsessed with like 
catching the rats in the school or something? Well, they all think that he's mentally ill. Like, they all just think he's, like, dumb and, like, doesn't know what's going on. And and so we meet him, like, relatively early. And we we also meet this, like, rat contraption that he built or invested in um, that, like, plays this, like, a horrible noise that makes the rats, like, freak out or attracts the rats. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but I was like... Do we ever actually see it do it to rats, though? Um, I don't know. I don't he think He does so. walk around with a dead rat in his bag, though, when he's, like, really trying to play up being a weirdo that people don't take seriously. Yeah. Like, there's one part where he just takes a rat out of his bag and, like, waves it around. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, as an actor, he's a real, like weird character actor and it makes a lot of interesting and wonderful choices um but oh yeah we like meet this machine and the one of the kids are like oh it's a piece of shit and it doesn't do what it's supposed to and then i was like oh well that's clearly a Chekhov's rat machine that's gonna come back and be important later he uses it not exactly to mars attacks the kids but like Pied Piper the children onto his vehicle, like 15 of them, and then drives off a cliff. Saves the day. Yeah, he kills a bunch of them. But, like, here's my question about him. Like, we learn, like, kind of halfway through the movie that he's actually a smart person who's just pretending to be different. Do we? I don't remember that okay I, this like i i should have watched i watched part of it again today i got too high before i watched this movie <laughs> yeah. so i was really confused about like this part i mean i don't think that's why you were confused i just think it's okay, like not well that's i couldn't clear. tell yeah like like did like it seemed because okay remember the part where they're in like James Marsden and the janitor in the basement together and James and he's like hey do you like Kurt Vonnegut Mm. oh I even wrote down Slaughterhouse-Five why I was gonna (laughs) I was gonna (laughs) look that up and I forgot yeah because it's like it I don't know why that's what he was saying I don't get it yeah I don't even remember what that book is about I only remember like a piece of it (laughs) He quoted something. Maybe it was that book. Maybe Probably it wasn't. Probably the book. <laughs> I, I don't... Unclear. Hopefully it was Could the book. Anything. Otherwise, it would have been real weird if he, like, held up a book and then said a quote from something else. <laughs> I don't know. This movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but, but the thing that he said indicated that he was actually a smart person who was behaving this way on purpose mm. so that he could, like, observe what was going on. But, like, what... What kind of, like, how how long has he been a janitor at that school? Is he, like, is his main goal to try to take the blue ribbons down? Like, what is he doing? I don't know. Uh... So I think, so part of what I read about, like, this movie makes no sense. Like, a lot of the parts that got cut out that didn't make it into the movie are like character development stuff so like i just hope that somewhere someone tried to explain him yeah i don't know (laughs) um were the did the credits did the opening credits seem too intense to you Uh, yes okay good (laughs) 
I don't remember why, but now that you say that, <laughs> yes, like, they definitely were. Just like, yeah, they didn't fit the movie like at all. And then there would be, it would be like kind of chill, like low, scary music. And then there would be like a stab of like craziness. Yeah, very nineties though. Like very mm-hmm. up, yeah, up definitely. I found it interesting to rewatch this now in the Trump era, and I uh, had reasons why while I was watching it, but now I don't remember any oh, yeah. of them. Other you than said that like, to me while you were watching it. Yeah, like the blue ribbon is is like a lot of the kind of like make America great again kind of bullshit because they go to this like retro malt shop was where these kids hang out. Like it's the, the yogurt shop. Something. Yogurt. Yeah. Excuse me, yogurt. A nineties, a nineties uh, spin on the nineteen fifties malt shop. Uh, yeah, it just the the values that these kids were espousing, and then also the behavior that they were engaging in—the violent, aggressive, very toxic uh, masculinity, white supremacy, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I just found it, you know interesting although like the movie is just like a little bit too sloppy to really be like commenting on anything i don't think yeah like it doesn't do a good job of whatever you were picking up on yeah because i mean it's a movie about mind control question mark you know i'm not sure it's a movie about uh assimilation and uh assimilation is the wrong word um homogenization and uh i don't know uh the one of the the kids when they're talking to each other about that doctor and they find out like who he is and where he came from he had just apparently just like took a boat across the bay from someplace else and he had worked at um like a like some psychiatric kind of hospital. Like psychiatric hospital, yeah. yeah. Because then James Marsden and Katie Holmes go to the hospital that he had been at previously. Right. Um, but somebody is like, he's a neuropharmacologist. Do you know what that means? And then James Marsden is like, yeah, mind control. And that's not what that is. It's just a neuropharmacologist is somebody who like studies how uh, our brain chemicals work basically, <laughs> and it, like it, the like concept of like using uh, drugs or a chip implanted in an eyeball for mind control is kind of. I mean, well, it's funny on the one hand that like if you've ever if if you've ever had a hard time finding the right antidepressant, you know how absurd like the concept that they would be, you know, pioneering mind control in the late 90s is. But on the other hand, it is part of this, like, very dark history that we have of um, experimenting on people, doctors experimenting on people, making tons of money, espousing these, you know, unproven uh, methods. I mean, a a good example of this is... um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that like went all over the place lobotomizing people and it took like 20 years before anyone was like, hey, 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 no, we're not doing this anymore, you know? Yeah. 
I don't was know. Was that too much I, of a tangent? Where did I go? No, no, that? no. You haven't gone off on a really good, like, weird medical tangent in a really <laughs> long time, actually. So I'm actually glad you did that. Mm. Um, it, mm, I mean, but yeah, this movie is, like, filled with things like that that just, like, indicate that it is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, when they were, um, when they when the family at the beginning was like driving to the new place their new home there's like a bridge i guess on the way it's it's an island is it an island that they live on um i think so or like a you know a, like a Not pretty, across water to get there like a somewhat remote place in uh washington state like in the so they had to cross so a thing island. to get there, yeah, and they had to talk to a dude. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a nice ferry in this. Love a yeah. ferry. Yeah. yeah, 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 same. Um, and the guy is like, "Oh, looks like you're moving for good," or something like that. And it's like, and then they keep driving, and they have like one small U-Haul trailer behind yeah. them. Like, really, dude? Like, there was no better way, or you could, like, you had to tell us that? Like, you had to have that guy have, whatever. It just has a lot of things that indicate that it's not a good movie. Yes, well, a lot of telling instead of showing. Uh, uh, Yeah, the family is, oh my god. I mean, people are bad about grief, and especially with child loss, but the, the father, like, refuses to acknowledge this, like, the dead son's existence. Yeah, like and the comes other up at son dinner and he's like, "We're not talking about this," and he just like wants to pretend it never happened, which is, which uh, like upsetting. Okay, yeah, and also like same thing. It just seems like that storyline should have played a much bigger part mm-hmm. because they go out of their way to bring it up and like make that a thing. Like this family could have moved there for any reason but right. it's like but then there's this whole weird said so you want to pick this like very emotionally charged yeah exactly yeah and then they, they're like keeps being these like and ethan Embry plays the brother that's why i think like surely this must have played a larger role in the movie because he was huge in 1998 right or was that like a little know. bit before he was he wasn't a thing for that long but when he i was don't a know thing, like, i literally didn't know who he was until oh we watched God. empire records what for, for you had such a different experience than me wait did you not ever see can't hardly wait no i did i just i i I never like clocked him as like a person yeah he was just like in everything for a couple years but i guess that's because i was obsessed with empire records makes sense Mm -hmm. um but so like he was a guy that people knew then and so to have him just show up in these like really intense flashbacks as the brother who committed suicide it's like surely there was more at one time. Yeah. Well, like you said, the studio took it. So it was directed by David Nutter. And he says that he had uh, edited his own cut, or like worked with an editor on his own like director's cut. And then MGM took the film away from him and had several different versions re-edited to show to test audiences. And so they... Uh, released uh theatrical release that the one that we 
watched probably that's 83 minutes long um, but many scenes that were cut from the film focused more on plot and character development which we're certainly missing from the one that we watched Definitely. Um, cuts to the film were so severe that Nutter thought about having his name removed from the credits which is a pretty big deal um, here's did you so here's how I know this should be a better movie also like he won an Emmy for directing Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, it's not like he went on to have, like, a shit-nothing career. He yeah. did direct mostly television, and even before this, directed mostly television, but, like, good television. Mm-hmm. Like, he he knows what he's doing. Um, and so then, let's see. So that's the director. So, and then the, let's see. The screenwriter is a guy named Scott Rosenberg. And I, let me see, I left this up because he wrote something that was good. Oh, okay. Good's not the right word, but um, <laughs> he wrote Con Air and Gone in sixty seconds. Oh wow! Like, he wrote some. He wrote High Fidelity. Like he just wrote some spectacularly fun movies. Yeah. Which this should be and just isn't. So like, there's him. And then let's see. I left up. Who else? I think this. Oh, the guy who made the music for this made the music for the X Files. Oh. Like, yeah. This just should be so much better than oh, it is. Yo, you know what? The what? guy that wrote this uh, developed the TV series Zoo, which I love. It's about the animals taking oh, back the planet. That sounds so nuts, but you're not the only person I know who I that show. enjoyed it like a lot. It's not great, but I thought it was fun. So then yeah. the last person is the cinematographer. Yeah. And he, again, just like... Worked on X-Files, worked on Lost, worked on Bates Motel. Like, he knows what's up. And this movie is just a sad mess. Yeah. Well, so among the uh, de- the scenes that were cut, uh, the DVD actually features 11 of them, featuring more story and character development, as well as a love scene between Steve and Rachel. Uh I guess his name, I guess James Marsden's name is Steve. I hope so. I don't know who else Steve might be. Uh, it includes, who's Dorian? Uh... Oh, that's the, the kid that's like, that first uncovers the conspiracy, right? His name is Dorian? I don't know. I don't anyway. Have any memory of that. There are there's a conversation between two fellows. One name is Dorian. One name is Steve. We're not sure who those people are. <laughs> uh, in which Dorian explains how a crash that killed four drunken teens, a mother and her young child, devastated the town and made them more receptive to this doctor's plan. Oh right, so, like all the parents were desperate for like yeah, yeah, which definitely would help. Um, also cut was a conversation between Steve and Rachel. We know she, that's Katie Holmes because she's the only woman in the movie. Uh, no, um, that's not true. There's the crazy daughter. Oh, of course. And the crazy blue ribbon girl who smashes her head into a mirror. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Well, there's a mom, I guess. She gets horny One and mom. smashes her head against a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Well, first she takes her boobs out. And then she smashes her head into a mirror yelling, no, bad. Uh, So, yeah, conversation between Steve and Rachel on the ferry in which he tells circumstances behind his brother's suicide. So there we would have probably gotten more of those flashback scenes. Um, A ride Steve gets from Officer Cox after being chased by the Blue Ribbons. Uh, But before uh, he encounters Lorna, 
when she takes her boobs out and smashes her head against the mirror. Um, Steve's mother finds a gun. Oh, that gun that he confiscated from Gavin that never, like, comes back again, I don't think. Oh, it comes back twice in the scenes that don't exist anymore. Okay. So, so the one you're about to read is the first one. Yeah, she finds it hidden under his mattress, which then prompts them to bring in the doctor. And then also included is an alternate ending where Gavin meets a different fate than the one used in the theatrical release. I don't know what that was. Um, and the rele- the revelation he that shows up at the he shows up at the end and he's a student teacher, which I is also the incorrect way to say what is what is happening in that scene. But he's just a teacher. <laughs> He's just a teacher, yeah. He's not a student teacher. Yeah, no. So like, he, it, it would seem that like all the other blue ribbon kids were lured to their death by the janitor, <laughs> but he managed but, oh, to escape somehow. Well, he it, never so, showed up there. So, in are you going to keep reading the alternate ending because it kind of gets explained okay. there? Okay. And the revelation that Caldecott's program is assisted by a, assisted by a shadowy organization seeking a prototype. Oh, is he the prototype? No. Oh. Just says that he had his headphones on. Keep reading. Okay. In the film commentary, the director complains that he objected to particular scenes being removed, but that the producers overrode his objections in certain versions of the theatrical release. The two aforementioned conversations did stay included. Um, Some TV networks have been known to air a somewhat unofficial director's cut of the film, with the deleted scenes reinstated, although the film is shown... With the theatrical ending. Oh, and then there's many more paragraphs. Okay. Here we go. After defeating Calicot, that's the name of the doctor apparently, uh, Steve gets on the ferry and discovers his friends held at gunpoint by Gavin, and it turns out that he wasn't affected by the rat machine because he was wearing his headphones. I see. Mm-hmm. So we can assume that even in this other ending, maybe that's how he got away. Interesting. Even though we didn't see it. Right. Steve pleads with him that they need to get him some help. Gavin refuses on the false belief that everything helped him without the realization of the program's effects which cause him to react. He tries to shoot Steve with a shotgun and UV shoots, shoots him th- uh, three times with a gun that Steve took away from him as he lies dying on the ground. Gavin escapes out of his hypnosis to chastise a heartbroken UV for not being able to kill him in fewer than three shots while the others tend to him. His dying words are a sarcastic remark that his death death will prevent him from meeting his pre-transformation idol, Trent Reznor. I want to see that version. Yeah. Despite having survived the events that preceded them, the group is reminded that they still lost a friend in the process as everyone starts to tear up. Interesting. Um, dang, I wanted to see something about that and I forgot what it was. Uh, the music in this was interesting. <sighs> I felt so disappointed by the fact that that song Flagpole Sitta is in like less than 10 seconds of this movie. I know it really should have been in Well, because that was the song that they used in the trailer that I feel like I heard everywhere that year and then it was in this movie like 
Barely. But you know, you remember? Okay, so do you know that Flies song that's in this movie at least twice? Got You Where I Want You? I got you where I want you. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot about that song. They were like a one. I mean, they were around a while, but that was their only like big song mm-hmm. that the masses knew. And it was because of this movie. So that was a fun. It's like I got excited when that song came on. <laughs> and then there's just like a whole other slew of like shitty punk rock kind of. Uh-huh. Not as good as the Biodome soundtrack. No. For sure. Definitely not as good as the Fast and the Furious soundtrack, which I just watched today for the first time. I don't want to, like, steal the other podcast, but I have, like, so many questions for you. I have a lot of questions, too. (laughs) 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 They don't get answered, and you're going to have a lot more questions as you go. I mean, there's just, the amount of pleather in that movie is... It's an assault on the eyes, the ears. It's an assault. Like, it's like, whoa. It's a good thing there's barely any plot. (laughs) I also feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, when I think of the pleather in that movie and I think of the wardrobe in that first one, it feels very, like, ugly purple to me. (laughs) Like, a color that you don't see in a lot of other movies. Well, I know exactly what color you're talking about because it is extremely 2001. And yes, <laughs> you are absolutely on point. Ugly purple and also ugly maroon. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of like Michelle Rodriguez looking uh, dirty in a wife beater, which is great. That never goes away. That's fantastic. Well, it's more complicated than that, but she's, yeah. Yeah. If that if you like that, you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like this movie? Um, I didn't not like it, but then I watched the Stepford Wives, and I I was like, oh fuck, that movie because this one's actually really good. Which, by the way, you should watch Stepford Wives. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never seen it. I saw it when I was like twelve, and it definitely imprinted on me. But like. Watching it again as an adult woman who's, like, narrowly avoided getting Stepford Wived myself, you know? Like, just being squarely in that demographic really mm-hmm. uh, yep. changes, changes oh, yeah, that's the different. Uh, impression of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so good. Um, oh, I do want to talk about the first time we meet Katie Holmes in this movie. Mm. Um, because... First of all, obviously, we all know Katie Holmes is one of the most beautiful human beings on the face of the earth. Yeah. Agree, yes. Obviously. Who and like who among us would not jump on a couch? I don't know, I just needed to check. Yeah. Right. Of course, obviously. Um and and also like in a way that's like she doesn't look like other people besides Eliza D- what's her name? Dushko. I can never remember how to say her last name correctly. <laughs> I don't even think um, I said it correctly before, but it's not because I don't know how. It's just my mouth didn't work right. Um, but she, so yeah, like she's beautiful. She doesn't look like other women in a really specific way. I feel like, but I she feel like those... she looks like every, like a normal person at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she's like the pretty girl from your high school. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But her hair is all messy and she has on like black eyeliner. 
she has those like turned down eyes Mm -hmm. that like I don't feel like I see that on a lot of people I think they're very exaggerated in this movie um but they make they just make her have a look that like is so kind of like intense and like pissed off and like deep that like she doesn't even have to be doing anything she just like has yeah she just has that look on her face because that's what her face looks like Mm -hmm. um but so when you meet her in this movie it's maybe like 20 minutes in and um I forgot, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, now we're going to meet Katie Holmes. That's right. She wasn't even here yet. She, like, in slow motion, climbs out of the back of a pickup truck no, in the high school. Where what? she had been dancing. Just No, I know herself. that. No, she starts dancing when she gets oh, okay. to the back of the truck. Like, she's sitting in the truck, and then she climbs out oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah, back, yeah, yeah. and then starts dancing in slow-mo. Looking at a gif of it right to, now. To no music. Uh-huh. Like, it's just the most like like I love it so much and also it's just like the grossest like a male gaze like this is how women behave thing that's just like you know but it's like is she dancing is she fixing her ponytail no one's no she's dancing no she's dancing (laughs) I know I'm kidding you know she's too cool to fix her ponytail she's not gonna Mm -hmm. fix her ponytail in this um you know I feel like that's a very carefully constructed um messy ponytail though yeah because it has all those like tiny yeah Yeah. it has all those like tiny braids Mm -hmm. coming out of it which at first i thought were dreadlocks but then later her hair is just like straight and regular so they're not they really also missed an opportunity to use the blue ribbon women to do anything else except for like the girl who smashed her face into the mirror yeah um some like a few of the men get like small things to do or like have some kind of personality a right. little bit or um, just like more like other types of break like other types of glitches we see them yeah. get to have you know cuz like that that scene where she smashes her face against the mirror it's so creepy in a way that like I don't think the the because when the guys glitch they just like rage out and they don't you know they might say something a little weird or like do a repetitive motion or something but it's mostly like an aggressive thing whereas like when the woman is doing it it's like this like scarier well kind of it's exactly stolen from twin peaks oh yeah like the smashing of of your head into a mirror and then repeating yourself like that's the end of twin peaks right which i know now because i've actually watched twin peaks oh i finally saw a fire walk with me that is fucked up yeah i mean it's all fucked up but i was like oh wow this is all darker than i even expected well because they could make it a rated r movie so yeah um they did oh in stepford wives there's this one woman who glitches at a party and she's like oh god what is she saying I'll just die if I don't get this recipe. I'll just die if I don't get this recipe. And she's just like walking <laughs> up to different like groups of people at the party saying that. And it's so creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it's uh, creepier and more interesting for women to do it. That's all. Those are all my notes. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, this first note that I took at the very beginning, like the cold open of the movie, I think, is that scene with the football player and is that it where, girl. It's where he murders her? Yeah, the girl in the car. She, she like goes down on him. And I wrote down, letting a girl blow you and then snapping her neck and calling her a slut while she's down there is like the ultimate metaphor for politics in America right now <laughs> or possibly ever. You know, it just like it felt like really, I don't know. Maybe also worth noting that it was an Asian girl, the only person who wasn't white in the movie. Yeah, that is got murdered noting. immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, other notes include toxic jock syndrome. Katie Holmes says that at some point made me laugh. Uh, yeah, Slaughterhouse-Five, why? Uh, problematic asylum, uh, I'm not sick, but I'm not well, in all caps. And, uh, a quote from the doctor, to kill a cancer, you have to kill a few white mice, which... Like I was talking about before, the dark history of medical research. That that was a uh, very widely held belief for a long time. Still is. I mean, it's also true that like we still have to kill a lot of white mice in the process of medical research. How did I get back here? Anyway, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Maybe you just can't help it because this is a movie about... Well, it's a movie about brain experiments and also rats, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I like this movie. I, but I also, like, think it's like if we, if I showed this to a kid now, like, what I was uh, 12 when this came out. If I showed... And I loved it. I mean, I didn't love it, but it was like, it was cool, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't oh, think that's I was like, why this I is saw an amazing Stepford movie. Wives then, probably. Because I saw um, the Stepford Wives for the first time when I was 12. And that is when this movie came out, basically. Yeah, that would make sense. That was interesting. Um, but it's like if I showed this to a 12 year old now, I don't think. Because like, they probably don't even know who Katie Holmes is, right? <laughs> Do they? I should ask some of the 12 year olds that I know. I have no idea. Probably not. They, they, why would they know who she is? I don't you know. Yeah, she's like not really. She's still super famous, but she's not like in anything anymore. Is she? Um, I feel like she is, but not like I don't know. Let's find out. IMDb.com. We have Google Katie for that. Holmes. Her the picture of her. On her profile, it's very. Ooh, this cute. says that she was secretly married to Jamie Fox, and now they're getting divorced. Interesting. Well, obviously, she was married to Tom Cruise, and that cast a shadow over her like entire life and career, which is unfortunate. Well, yeah, because she didn't really act while they were married, mm -hmm. did she? Yeah, I don't, and he didn't want her to. And then, like, to be able to get Siri, Suri, Suri, um, Suri Cruz, Suri Cruz, she 
had to jump through all sorts of really crazy hoops to be able to keep her because he stole Nicole Kidman's children. Yeah, and she thought that he was going to steal Suri, too. Yeah. She made a cameo in Ocean's 8. Mm-hmm. She was in Logan Lucky, but I haven't seen that. She's direct... It was not good. And also, I slept through part of it, and I guess I slept through the part that she was in, because I don't remember her being in it. <laughs> um, oh, it looks like she's She's done... directed some stuff. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, she's also done quite a bit of TV. Yeah, I'm going to have to see Teaching Mrs. Tangle. I'm Which... I'm almost sure it's a much better movie. Someone very famous plays Mrs. Tingle, although I don't remember who. But some I feel like it's someone you'll be excited about. Oh, it's Helen Mirren. Damn. Oh, there Helen you go. Mirren. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Goodness yeah. Gracious. And like the guy, the guy from Seventh Heaven is in it. Oh, Barry her. Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael McKean, Molly Ringwald, Vivica Fox. I guess that's what we should have watched. I thought they were the same movie. I don't think I realized that they were two different. In my brain, I can never remember which one is which. Mm-hmm. Well, now I will, I guess. Interesting. Is that it for the movie? Yeah. I went to a wrestling match. Oh, how was that? Where was that? Um, what was that? All, all of my dreams came true. <laughs> nice. Was it like it was, a tiny thing or like it, a bigger me, thing? Medium. Um, It's like one of the better promotions, you know, besides WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, Like a lot of... It's all men. They don't have any women on their roster. A lot of the men who either come from there and get hired by WWE or when WWE fires them, they go back, like, through this promotion. Um, So, like, it was good. They're good. Um, But, you know, it wasn't, like, gigantic. But, you know, it was probably a couple thousand, a few thousand people there watching. Um, I had to drive two hours to get there. (laughs) Um, But, like... All of my dreams came true. It was incredible. Oh, that's fun. It, like, firmly, like, confirmed for me that I legitimately love wrestling so much. Oh, that's nice. It's rare. It's rare that we get opportunities in life to, like, have our greatest loves confirmed to us. (laughs) Well, I was nervous, too, because, like, you know, a lot of people who watch wrestling have watched it. You know, it's, it's mostly men who've watched, watched it when they were little boys, you know, mm-hmm. with their dads or families or whatever. And, like, I just didn't have that experience. So, and it's, like, it has such a history. Like, just so, there's so much crazy, amazing history there. Um, and, like, so a lot of fans, I feel like, come into it kind of with that built-up knowledge of, like, many, many years of experiencing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like such a weirdo just being like, yeah, I found this when I was 32, and I'm a woman, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and, like, it's, you know, I'm like, I'm yeah. not the demographic, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true that you're not the demographic. I know a lot of women who like wrestling and, like, think that other women don't like it, and it turns out they do. 
you know. Well, that's another thing that I really love about it is, like, I actually think the demographic is everybody. And I actually, I think WWE in particular, because they're kind of the only, like, big, well-known promotion that is is right now unless you like you know go to your way to do research and stuff um they i think they go out of their way to make it accessible for everybody um and i think they're also trying to do better to have wrestlers who are more accessible to more kinds of people mm-hmm. um and that's all pretty cool like the reason I started watching it was because I was flipping through the channels one night and I saw Nia Jax, who is, I think, The Rock's cousin. She's related to The Rock somehow. She's, like, part of a wrestling family. And and she's she's a big girl. And I was just like, wow, I've never seen something like this on television before. Like, I'm going to keep watching this. And yeah, then, like, I from there I got you telling me about it. Yeah. When it and then from there I just got, like, sucked into some things. That's cool. But it's, so it it's was. It's nice to, really to cool. develop new hobbies as we age. Yeah, I just wish it was like a more accessible yeah. hobby. Or... But I smiled so big the whole time. Like, it was so cool. That's nice. And circus could learn so much from them. Like, they know how to put on the show. They yeah. know how to make an entrance. Their costumes are amazing. Like, they just know how to work it, you know? Well, they're, they're true entertainers. Like, in, in addition to being fine sports people, Incredible they are Incredible athletes. Incredible yeah. athletes. Like, yeah, I'm always trying to explain to circus people why they should watch it and why they would like it, and nobody believes me, but... See, but those things that you just named about, like, what wrestling has over circus seem to me like they should be, like, fundamental aspects of a circus show. Um, yes and no, like... A good one, yeah. Yeah. That, like, you're, like, the... Well, circus right now is, like, performance very performance much... en- encompasses, like, the mo- from the moment you might be seen at, by an audience member to, like, the time that you're actually performing, as opposed to just, like, you know, walking out there and then being like, and now we're gonna do a thing! Well, like, circus is very much, like, some of it is going in the direction of, like, we call it contemporary circus, where Mm -hmm. it's more, like, you know, like, traditional circus is just, like, you wear a sparkly outfit, and you do a trick, and everyone claps, and, you know, then you do another trick, and everyone claps, and there's, like, not a lot to it, besides the tricks, um, and so then, like, with contemporary circus, there's, like, a huge movement to make it more, like, emotional, Mm -hmm. and... You know, just have, like, some more depth to it and make it really, like, art. Um, But a lot of it kind of fails in that it doesn't remember to take the audience with it, you know? It just goes to, like, a very, like, feelings place. Um, And for kind or Or, you know, we'll try to put too many tricks in you know because like you work for years to get a trick Mm -hmm. and then you want all those tricks in your act right but it's like that's not necessarily what makes a good act like you're not I feel there's like too much like you're not thinking of the audience here you're thinking of Mm -hmm. like yourself and what you want to make right um and you're not really interested in like the experience of people watching you or like doing the work to make sure they go with you 
Mm-hmm. And that you are actually being an entertainer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the only thing I've experienced since we talked last. That, like, I haven't watched anything. I haven't really listened to anything new. I don't think. Um, as always, I watched a shit ton of movies. Somehow. Even though I feel like I've been working 900 different jobs. Um, I've rewatched Jennifer's Body. So good. Love it more every time so I good. see it. Uh, I finally saw The Babadook. Which was interesting. Oh, that one's good. It was terrifying. Uh, I actually had to like pick up my computer and like start working on something halfway through it, so I wasn't paying <laughs> like total attention to it because it was like way too intense for me. Uh, the other night I watched a. Um, it's technically a zombie movie, but it's like if you go into it thinking that you're gonna watch a zombie movie, you'll be very disappointed. It's called The Cured. It's an Irish movie that takes place in a kind of it's like a post zombie movie in that in the universe of this film um a zombie outbreak has happened they've managed to contain it and actually found a cure for it and are reintegrating former zombies back into society but there's obviously like this huge conflict in that like people remember what they did and also, the the former zombies actually remember what they did while they were zombies, so they have like a lot of PTSD. And everyone has Whoa. a lot of PTSD. Fascinating, absolutely that, fascinating. That's fun, or yeah. not fun? That's not the right word, but it's different. It's different, and it felt fresh. And it's like it it's dealing with so many. You know, it doesn't necessarily like nail every single thing, but it's dealing with so many interesting issues about. Um, you know, public health and uh, epidemiology, but then also things like the troubles in Northern Ireland and like border stuff and like the legacy of that in Ireland and like just like a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. More of a kind of like social thriller, although it does have some zombie gore stuff too. So like very much my shit. It was great. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, I saw Hustlers. I don't think we got to talk about it. Well, you warned me that there was throw up in it, which is the nicest thing that you ever do for me. <laughs> um, but I don't think you you told me. Yeah, I don't think you told me a lot about it, except for that you loved it. Yeah. I mean, that's all you need to know going into it is that Lily Reinhardt's going to barf a few times, but it's pretty funny every time it happens, and it really only happens in the second half of the movie. So it's not, you know throughout um but it's incredible there's a scene that's gonna make you just weep i have a feeling because it's jennifer lopez in all of her glory like this is the best she's ever been she looks she's incredible 50 years old she's 50 years old you would never know it she looks she uh what what a cultural treasure she is but anyway she is teaching constance Wu's character like some trick like giving her tricks on pole dancing and stuff like that so that she can bring in more money and it's like I forget exactly how she phrases it but like Constance Wu is like I don't have muscles there or like I don't have muscles to do that and Jennifer Lopez is like fuck that every girl has muscles to do this and I was like oh Jordan's gonna love this it's true (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Um, I cried through like most of the movie because I was enjoying it so much (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it's just, it's such a interesting look at um, a subculture that, like, we often see in, like, film and television, but it's never from the, pers- like, the actual perspective of the dancers you know it's it's almost never a story that is being told it's not a story about the women it's never about the women and it's never a story that's being told by women and in, in this case it really is and there were like a thousand ways to tell this story really irresponsibly and terribly and like people have certain complaints about it that are valid but like it could have been so much worse, you know, and it and was that's so where we're great. at, <laughs> and that's where we're at. But like, it's it's not just like it wasn't terrible. Woo! It like was so great too. It was entertaining. It was, uh, you know, a a really kind of frank look at women's economic prospects and how we don't have a lot of them, especially you know if you don't have an education or you don't come from money and what have you. Um, and it's also just like a really, I think, powerful story about women's friendship, which I I love, and like the complicated relationships that women have with each other. Um, yeah, I just I fucking loved it so much. Yeah, I'm like I really want to see it, but I have to drive pretty far right now, so I'm just really hoping it comes to my town. Yeah, well, and if not, it will be streaming soon enough. Um, yeah. I was excited to like go see it with like the mid afternoon retired lady crowd, um, but there were a lot of men there too. I was like, "How dare what? you get out of here!" <laughs> I mean, they're totally allowed to be there, but I had to sit next to an old white man who was like mansplaining the movie to the lady that he was there no. with. Yeah, yeah. There was one part, and it was like totally quiet, and he leaned over to her and was like. She recognizes herself in her, and that's why this is Ew, an emotional come moment. On, yeah, guy. yeah. Like, so didn't appreciate that. Might go see it again to like replace that memory. But yeah, um, you should. Yeah, extremely high, the highest of recommendations. So good. And then I watched a lot of other garbage. But nothing worth reporting on. Oh, The Good Place came back. Oh, that's exciting. You don't watch it. I have seen the first two seasons. Love it. It's great. I'm just waiting until the show's over so I can just watch it all in one go. Okay. And it's the last season now. So, yeah. Yeah, you're almost there. Yeah. There's just so much TV. I gotta pace myself. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, some TV that I watched because I got a free month of Showtime is uh, Kirsten Dunst's new series on becoming a god in Central Florida, which is. Oh, I bet it's great. It's incredible, dude. She is. I mean, we know this, right? Like, I I have clearly spent a lot of time watching Kirsten Dunst movies. Like, she's incredible, and she really. This is like. She gets to put on a little bit of her beauty queen stuff. She gets to do like white track like and she is obviously still like incredibly beautiful and still like quite thin for an American woman but like she's not TV skinny and she's just like on TV being her age 
and not being TV skinny and just looking like a real person because she's never had her teeth fixed and her hair is like a little over over bleached and kind of dry and it's like we don't get to see people look like real people on TV and she's great and she's really because she's it's a show about um a pyramid scheme that her husband gets sucked into and then her husband dies and then she is like kind of stuck in there and she's trying to like work the system and uh just absolutely fascinating she's she's so good she's great love it another highly recommend sweet well Kara, if you want people to find you where can they go you don't want people to find you <laughs> I don't really. However, (laughs) um, yeah, I guess if you want to find me, Instagram's always a good place to look at BIMPs. But also, um, I have spent the last couple weeks dealing with a strange uh, semi-legal situation that I never could have imagined in a million years. The old podcast that I used to do in sickness and in health. Someone's coming after me for copyright infringement on the name and sickness and in health, which, as you may know, is a name borrowed from a common phrase that people use all the time, which is why I never bothered to trademark it. Everyone who gave me advice was like, it's not worth the expense. They'll probably deny it anyway, because it's this common phrase. Well, um, somebody a couple years after I started also started a podcast called In Sickness and In Health. And when I discovered this, like early on in her first season, I reached out, sent a very friendly, very professional email explaining why it's not a great idea for two podcasts to have the same name, SEO reasons, etc. Um, and she ignored me and never replied. But apparently, uh, she then a very short time later, proceeded to uh, apply for a trademark registration on the name in sickness and in health. And that was about a year and a half ago. And then just last week, I got an email from her kind of being like, oh, wow, we have the same name podcast. Um, I own the trademark, so you need to change your name. And I was like, "Uh, that's fucking ridiculous. No. I mean, I didn't say it in those ways, but... um, I just, I find it like wildly unreasonable to ask somebody to retroactively change the name of a, pro- of a project that's not even in production anymore. You're not even still making it I'm anymore. Not, yeah, yeah. I'm not even putting it out anymore. Um, like, it's just the, the most ridiculous situation. Uh, because like, if I do have to go through changing the name, I have to do a lot of work on the website. I have to change a lot of graphics. I work in digital media. This is part of my portfolio. It's part of my body of work. It's part of how I get paid. Like, not directly, but it's like how I have gotten jobs, you know. So I don't want to just like roll over and let her intimidate me because literally the only ground that she has to stand on is the fact that the government issued her this piece of paper when they maybe shouldn't have based on its common usage and my established prior use. Um, Like the trademark office, you have like a short window after they issue the trademark to like contest it. And she waited until like long after that to contact me so that I can't really do anything about it. So I don't know why I'm still talking about this, um, but you can find that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. There you go. You can find it, uh, at least for now, on most of your podcasting apps. 
Um, it's called In Sickness and in Health, colon, A Chronic Illness Podcast. You'll, I edited the, the feed title a long time ago to differentiate between the two. Um, so it's like already clear that they're two different shows. But anyway, um, you can also find it on social media at In Sickness Pod. If you, if you feel moved to tweet about the ridiculousness of this situation, uh, the other podcast, it, um, you know what? I you'll be able to find them. I don't need to tell you where to look. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just waiting for something to go my way in this situation because it is absolutely ridiculous. She filed a claim with SoundCloud, and I had to migrate my feed. Then she went to iTunes and Spotify, and I'm just, uh, I don't know. It's a very uh, personal project, a very important project to me, and um, it really pisses me off that she's manipulating this broken system to... Also, did I mention she's a doctor? She's a doctor just trying to steamroll over patient voices, which I have very little tolerance for at this point in my life. So it's really generational trauma that I'm working through here. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm still talking. Anyway, at In Sickness Pod. Cool. Well, um, I might cut all of that out. No, leave it. You had several really good rants today, and that was one of them. You know what? It, you know what it is. It's because I've been watching so much Designing Women, and. You know, Julia's always telling people off, and I don't get the opportunity to tell people off very often, so instead I find myself just ranting on this podcast. I do that at work. Or rather, I try not to do it at work so much anymore, but, like, <laughs> there's, like, there's actually only one thing left that I'm still very, very triggered by at my job. I've had a lot of trauma at my job for so many reasons that I'm not even going to explain. Yeah, um, that's fine. You don't have to. I believe But you. I've been trying to do, like, a really good job of, like, staying positive and, like, having a good attitude and, like, just being there for my students and whatever. And... There's one thing left that I still find like so triggering and it happens all the time and I have to do one of those rants every single time that it happens and just hope that it's like to a different person that time. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry if you've heard this before, but I got to do it again. Yeah. Or, or that the person that, that hears at that time might actually like do something to stop it no. from happening again in Not the future. Possible. Not possible. That's unfortunate. Uh, anyway. Well, you can people find are me. terrible. People <laughs> suck, and they shouldn't. And you can find me on Instagram at jordopc if you want to see some of my circus tricks. That's mostly what I put there. Um, and we will be back in two weeks with another spooky movie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>